Welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen to this message. It's the second part of our series, Asking for a Friend. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, enjoy. I just want to share a Bible verse with us. It's real quick, and then you guys can sit down. It's found in John chapter 14. It says this. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, worship team. Come on, can we give a round of applause for the worship team? So good. If this is your first time here this morning, man, we hope you feel welcome. Uh, My name is Harrison. I'm the pastor here. We want you guys to know we'll do whatever it takes for you to experience Jesus. So glad you guys could be here. We're in the second part of our series called Asking for a Friend. Make some noise if you're here for part one. Man, what we're doing in this series is we are just answering some questions, objections, things that people are thinking, but maybe they're too afraid to ask. If you're with us for part one, we ask the question, why are Christians so judgmental? And so I want to encourage you, if you missed that message, hop online. It's on our podcast. You do not want to miss it. Uh, This morning, we're answering another tough question, uh, and it's this. Isn't every religion correct? Isn't every single religion right? Now, something you guys need to know about me, uh, I'm obsessed with making the best possible time when I drive. Anyone else like this? Like when you drive, like this is it's the best. I need to get there as fast as I possibly can. I'm not sure why I'm like this, but it's, it's caused me pain in the past. Uh, some of you guys know that I've ran red lights in the name of making good time. Just one by my house, but I got caught. Come on, somebody. I've got photo radars, uh, all in the name of making good time, but I've matured. I, I've, I'm, got, I'm just better now. Uh, <laughs> Um, especially because I can't afford tickets. We have twins and diapers are very expensive. (laughs) And so is formula. Um, And so uh, I just, whatever I can now, I want to make the best time possible within the bounds of the law. You guys know what I'm saying? And so what I've realized is that like the only way I can make the best time possible within the bounds of the law is to make sure that I'm on the best possible route. And so uh, what you guys need to know about me is other than when I was away, like in college, I've lived in two places. I've lived at my house I grew up in and the house I'm at at right now with my wife. And so the house that I grew up in, it's in this neighborhood in West Edmonton. It's called Wedgwood. And we lived at the very back of the neighborhood. And and it was exclusive in the sense of to get to our house, there's only one way in. There's one route. And so like growing up, making time, like you couldn't really do much because there was only one way in. Now, the place I live in now is a lot different. We live in a duplex and we're kind of in this community and it's really cool. There are actually three main ways that you can get into our community. And so what that means is cool, but I'm always obsessed with making sure I'm going the right way. No matter which route I'm on, I'm always second guessing myself. You guys like that? It's like, man, I felt the other way would have been faster if I just didn't hit that one light. And so thankfully there have been odd times where Christy and I have been driving home at the same time. And so, like, we'll literally be on the Anthony Henday, and I'll pull up next to Christy, I'll roll down my window, and I'll say, Chris, race me home. <laughs> As I said, I've matured a lot. And so, 
I'm just like, race me home, but follow all the traffic laws so we can know which way is the best possible way. Because I'm just obsessed. Because the way I grew up, it was one way in, that's it. But where I'm at now, like there's a whole bunch of different routes that end up in the same place. Now, for a lot of people, you're like, man, well, why do you care? There's so many different ways. You're getting to the same spot anyways. Why does it really matter? Now, maybe you guys know where I'm going. Because we're asking a question, are all religions correct? And I'm using this, this example because these actually these two things really uh, bring home, home the two trains of thoughts when it comes to religion. Now, when it comes to religion, there's two things. And one is called religious exclusivity. And what religious exclusivity means is that there is one religion or belief system that is true. One way in, one way out. That one is kind of illustrated by my mom's house where I grew up. The second way, which a lot of people believe, is called religious pluralism. Now, religious pluralism says this. All religions provide a valid explanation for God. Therefore, all religions and belief systems are at some point true. Those are the two trains of thoughts, exclusivity and pluralism. Now, the verse that we read at the very start in John chapter 14, verse 6, it says this again. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, it doesn't take too much research to, fit, to tell you where that lines up. That is more in the idea of religious exclusivity. Jesus says there is one way in. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, for a lot of people, especially in our Western society, our Western world, this is actually very hard for them to believe. You guys ever ran into this? It's like, well, I don't actually think there can be one way. And so our society, Canada especially, we a lot of times fall more into religious pluralism, where it's like, you know what, there's so many different religions, so many different belief systems. Either they cannot all be true, or they're all true at some point, at some part. Because if you're saying there's only one way, well, guess what? My, my neighbor's a Muslim. My neighbor's Jewish. My neighbor is an atheist. My neighbor, neighbor believes in, religion, in native spirituality. And so for a lot of people, they find this idea of religious exclusivity offensive. When we look at Christianity, it seems that Christianity falls under religious exclusivity. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so the question we need to ask today is, is this really true? Is Christianity the only way? You see, again, I just want to really highlight what, because a lot of us, and you guys don't need this highlight because you have people in your lives that you're talking to, that you've experienced. That's my daughter. Be quiet, please. I love you. I can tell her cry. I just, I know it. <laughs> um, I'm lost now. The, the real question is, which twin was it? How well do I know their cries? Not that well, um, but Christy does. There's this idea of religious pluralism back on topic now. And this is the idea. There's many different ways. And so I want to just highlight, and the reason what I was getting to, I was saying most of us don't need it highlighted because a lot of us have fallen into this before, right? We've talked to people, our neighbors, our coworkers. But I want to just show you guys two thought leaders and just look at what they say. Uh, for two weeks in a row, I've had the privilege of quoting Mahatma Gandhi. This is what Gandhi says. Gandhi says, my position is that all great religions are fundamentally equal. Now, what that means fundamentally means the things that actually matter the most, the things that are most important, they're all the same. That's what Gandhi says. And, and when we read that, it kind of makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. It's like, yeah, everything's equal. Everything's the same. The next person, Oprah Winfrey, love Oprah. My mom watched her every single day growing up. 
She says this, she says, one of the biggest mistakes that humans make is to believe that there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to God. These are two thought leaders. <laughs> two thought leaders, two people of influence. Now, what they're saying, it sounds really good. Man, like there's so many different ways. It doesn't really matter. As long as we're on a path, we're going to get to the final destination. All religions, all belief systems are fundamentally the same. It sounds so good. Here's the question. Is it true? Is it true? An apple a day keeps the doctor away sounds good. Is it true? Is it true? And so the question that we want to ask this morning as we get started, we're going to answer a couple questions. But before we even get to the question of is Christianity true, we have to first ask ourselves, are all religions true? Can all religions actually be true? Are all religions equal? You see, the reason that there's so many different opinions on this, the reason everyone wants to believe that all religions are valid, all religions are true, is because we feel bad as a people to say, hey, guess what? You may be wrong. You guys know what I'm saying? We feel bad to say, you know what? I think I'm right and you're wrong. And so what happens as a society, we've developed this idea that, well, everyone can be right. We can all be true. The only problem is truth, by definition, is exclusive. If something is true and another thing is false, they cannot both be true because they'll be working in direct contradiction to each other. And so for so many people, they have this idea, well, all religions are fundamentally true. But the definition of truth leads us to believe that someone has to be wrong. That's just the logic of truth. That's how it works. It's like this. I got rear-ended this week um, as I was driving uh, on the day, you know, on like the snowmageddon day. Um, and so thankfully I was by myself. Um, the, the girls weren't in the car, just me. Um, but then the next day I had to go fill out a police report. And as I was at the police station, um, it seems like every single person there was filling out reports for accidents. And I felt bad for the cops because I'm like, man, it's kind of a boring day. Like, Lael, you know what the days are like. It's just the same thing. He's a cop. Um, that's why I confessed to running red lights. <laughs> so he doesn't arrest me. But every single person there, it seems, is there for a traffic incident. And so I'm waiting there for a long time. I'm super bored. I'm just standing there um, when this lady gets called to the, to the front. And I'm close enough. I'm in earshot where I can hear what's going on. I'm not eavesdropping. I'm just listening. <laughs> it's a big difference. You guys know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so she goes there, and, and like, I'm bored out of my mind, and so anything seems interesting, but this got interesting real quick. The officer says, you made two big mistakes. I'm like, I'm listening. <laughs> He's like, number one, the type of license that you have, you're not allowed to be driving the truck that you were in when you hit this person. And so he asked her a question. He said, were you driving this truck? She's like, no. He's like, you weren't? She's like, no, I, I was, I was. And then he's like, well, why did you say no? She's like, I didn't understand. And then he's like, well, it says um, you fled the scene after. And again, she's like, no. She's like, no, no, no. He's like, you didn't? And he's like, no, like we exchanged information. He's like, I know you exchanged information, but what her police report says is that after that, before things were finished, you left. And I'm not listening, just there. <laughs> but I'm like, come on, somebody, this is getting interesting. Like, because what happens, like there's two conflicting reports. Because one person is saying, I was there, I stayed, and the other person is saying, you fled. Now, one of the tragedies of my life is that they called my name. And so I didn't get to see how the story ended. 
And I was like, just wait five minutes. <laughs> Go to the next person. But here's the reality I want to tell you in this story. You see, in this story, there's two people with two opposing stories. And the fact of the matter, every single one of us would agree in this room, they cannot both be true. Right? Either one person is lying or one is telling the truth. Because truth, by definition, is exclusive. And so in order for one thing to be true, if something is saying something different, there it can't, they cannot both be true. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? Everyone see where I'm going. You see, this idea that religious exclusivity, this idea that a belief system, it cannot be true, it cannot be exclusive, it can offend people, but logically speaking, there has to be truth. All things cannot be true because then they cease to be true because they'd be working in direct contradiction to each other. And so we're asking the questions, can all religions be true? Because Gandhi says, and if Gandhi says it, it must be true, that all the main religions are fundamentally the same. Fundamental means the most important things are the same. What I want to do very briefly is I want to challenge his assumption. Is this actually true? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the top four major world religions. Number one is Christianity. Come on, somebody. We number one. <laughs> number two is, is Islam. Number three uh, is Hinduism. And number four is Buddhism. So I just want to, because here's the idea again, right? Everything's true. We're all true. But let's just look at them logically. Christianity, again, we saw in John, right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Some of you guys are like, well, it's just one statement. Is there anything else? This is what Peter says um, in Acts chapter 4. This is very important because Peter is speaking specifically to Jewish people. This is what he says. He says, Jesus, the stone your builders rejected, has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in, what's the next word? No one else. No one else. For there is, what's the next word? No other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So Peter doubles down. He's like, Jesus is the way to salvation. And he's not speaking to people that believe in Jesus. He's speaking to Jewish people. It's a different culture, different context, different background. He says, hey, guess what? Jesus is the way. Very exclusive. Now we're saying, okay, okay, okay. All main religions are fundamentally the same, right? Well, let's now just look at the first two. Christianity says Jesus is the way. What does Islam say? Well, Islam, by definition, if you guys know anything about it, is very exclusive. If you want to convert to Islam, you have to believe in their five main doctrines. There's six main doctrines. And there's and their five, um, let me just write it down, read it so I can say it, five duties of Islam. Six major doctrines you have to believe to convert to Islam, and you have to con continue uh, to participate in their five basic duties. Now, one of the fundamental, fundamental beliefs of Islam is that Allah, God, is one. And so if you talk to any Muslim, they will tell you the idea of Jesus being the way, Jesus being the God, is, being God is extremely offensive. Have you guys ever experienced this before? I've had conversations and they just, they, they can't grasp that, right? It's offensive and it works in direct contradiction to what they believe. Now, superficially speaking, does Islam and Christianity have things that are the same? Absolutely. But fundamentally speaking, because one of the fundamental tenets of Christianity is that Jesus is the way. One of the fundamental tenets of Islam is that Allah is one God. So can they both be true? If they were both true, they would work in contradiction to each other. You see, the point I'm trying to make and trying to bring out is that everything cannot be true. Now, some of us are like, well, that's why I'm into Eastern religions. They're so much more open, you know, just meditation and and yoga. Well, let's look for a second 
at the, at the number three, number four. Number three is Hinduism, and number four is Buddhism. Now, does anyone in this room know where Buddhism came from? Buddhism, <laughs> Buddha. <laughs> Buddhism started, and I've been trying all week to pronounce this guy's name correctly. You guys are like, aren't you Indian? You can't pronounce things. Um, his name is Siddhartha Gautama. Best I can do. And was it pretty good? What happened was that um, uh, Buddhism started when this man rejected Hinduism. So he was born a Hindu, and what he said, he said, man, I reject Hinduism for two main reasons. Number one was the Vedas, which is their holy scriptures. He said those aren't true. And number two was the caste system. Now, if you know anything about Hinduism, the Vedas and the caste system are two fundamental beliefs of Hinduism. The reason he started Buddhism was because he rejected them. And so if you were to ever ask a Buddhist if they're the same as a Hindu, because our Western thinking is like, man, y'all, we're all the same, y'all. They would say, no, we're not. We are actually fundamentally different. Do you guys see where I'm going? Do you guys want a, like a little fun fact? Let's go to number five, the fifth biggest world religion, Sikhism. Do you know where Sikhism came from? Sikhism resulted when they rejected both Buddhism and Hinduism. It was like, none of y'all are right. All your fundamentals are wrong. I'm a Sikh now. And so for the Eastern religions, they would not say we're all the same. They couldn't because they work in direct contradiction to each other. And so if one is true, the other cannot be true. I'm taking some time to suss this out, but I need you guys to see this. Because we're answering hard questions, and the first thing we need to do is we need to dispel this myth that says everyone is fundamentally the same. Just, and we can compare the Eastern and the Western religions. Just so you guys know, Buddhism, Hinduism, they do not believe in a personal God. They don't believe in an afterlife. The tenets of Christianity, our fundamental beliefs, is a personal God. It's Jesus. So the point I'm trying to make again is that they cannot all be true. Everyone following? We got that in our brains. You see, in order for any of them to be true, they cannot all be true. Now, for some of us, it's like, well, that's why I'm an atheist. I don't believe in anything. There cannot be truth. There is no God. There's nothing. Just the material world, that's it. I don't believe in exclusivity. The problem, of course, with that is the belief that there is nothing is in itself a belief. And when you say there is no God, there, that's also an exclusive belief. So here's the problem, here's the myth. No matter what you believe, if you're a Christian, you're a Buddhist, you're an atheist, every single person has beliefs that are exclusive in nature. And they have to be. And so for any of us to say everyone's right, we're all right, is illogical and works against the very definition of truth. We cannot all be truth. We have to suss this out because we're going to answer the next question. In case you guys don't know where I stand um, on the thing. And here's, oh, great, Megan, for putting it up. You guys, write this one down. The main world religions are all fundamentally different and at best superficially similar. This comes from Ravi Zacharias. If you guys don't know him, watch him. So good. He's an, he's an apologist. The world religions are all fundamentally different and at best superficially similar. And so we have to dispel that myth that everything is the same. And so what this is leading us to say is that if everything cannot be true, there must actually be something that is true. Now, as, as a believer, I'm not going to take the time to dispel Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism. I'm just going to tell you why I believe in Christianity and why I believe that Christianity is not only logical, but true. 
And you're saying, do we really have enough time to answer questions as large as, is Christianity true? I mean, technically speaking, we might go a little bit over time. You guys okay with that? The worship was just so good. Come on, somebody, so good. We couldn't slow that down. But we have to ask the next question, is Christianity true? Now, the beauty for this, how do we as Christians know that Christianity is true? It is so simple. Our answer hinges on Jesus. That's it. Now, what you need to understand is this. Historically speaking, if you look up any scholars, whether they are stark atheists, all of the top scholars, historians in the world, no one dismisses the account of the historical Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth was a person. This is not contested. This is not debated. He was a Jewish rabbi. He had many followers. After his death, people started worshiping him as God, and this sect known as Christianity exploded. That is fact, and that is history. There is only one piece of information that people debate, and it's this. Did Jesus actually raise from the dead? Did Jesus raise from the dead? Because here's the, here is the, the thing that matters the most. If Jesus raised from the dead, everything changes. If Jesus actually raised from the dead, he is who he says he is. Look at this. I love how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15. We don't have to know anything else. He says this. He says, if Christ has not been raised, if it's not true, all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. We don't need to debate anything else. We don't need to go into anything else. If Jesus did not actually raise from the dead, everything else is useless. And so we have to ask the question, well, how can we know if Jesus actually raised from the dead? Can we know 100%? Answer, no, we can't. But like anything in life, we can follow the evidence and we can follow the clues to lead us to believe and answer the question, did Jesus actually rise from the dead? Now, here's the beauty of the resurrection. There is actually a small piece of empirical, meaning observational evidence, that he actually raised from the dead. What is that? The tomb is empty. There's an empty grave. You see, if Jesus had not raised from the dead, if his body was actually in the tomb, the soldiers right there and then would have been like, what are y'all saying? Stop. Here's his head. He's still here. That would have ended the movement right there. But the fact of the matter is the tomb is empty. Come on, somebody. The tomb is empty. But hold on. We can clap in a second. Because like, we're clapping as Christians, but then the skeptic will say, well, that's easy. The disciples stole his body. Now, this, this theory has been going on as long as time, as long as ever since this happened. It's even in the Bible. They say the leaders said that the disciples stole his body. The question we have to ask ourselves, though, is does the evidence lead us in a direction to believe that the disciples actually stole the body? Now, there are a number of things working against that argument. Number one, the tomb was heavily guarded. And these soldiers, their lives depended on that tomb being guarded. That's number one. Number two, there's a big stone in the way, all of these things, right? It's, it would have been hard. But let's just say for argument's sake, they stole his body. Everything else is a myth. The next question we have to ask ourselves, and this is what I think is the biggest piece of evidence, is why did Christianity spread at such a rapid rate as that that it did? And what I'm saying is perhaps the reason that Christianity spread so fast, so rapid, is because Jesus actually was who he says he was. Because this is what happened, and I want us to see this. The strongest evidence for Jesus actually raising is in the lives of the disciples. 
It's in the lives of the early believers. If you guys do not know the history, 11 out of the 12 disciples were killed. And they weren't just like shot because there's no guns back then. They were literally brutally killed, tortured, hung upside down. Now, as logic and as history would tell us, because the, the, the antithesis of the resurrection is the idea that they just made this whole thing up. They made it up. But logic would tell us, if you were making something up, at that point when you're getting brutally tortured, when you're at the point of death, it would no longer logically make sense for you to keep your story up. But as history tells it, in the face of intense persecution, in the face of death and torture, not a single one of them recounted their story that Jesus has raised from the dead. Not a single one of them. That is strong, strong evidence that, hey, he might have actually raised from the dead. Because these people are willing to die. Not many people are willing to die for a lie. But none of them recounted their faith. Number two... The other strong evidence is what we call eyewitness reports. In other words, a bunch of people actually saw Jesus. I want to read 1 Corinthians 15. Again, this is a different verse. In verse 3, Paul says this. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and then he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, as to me, who was born in the wrong time, Jesus appeared to me. Paul says, I saw him as well. Now, the reason that 1 Corinthians 15 is such strong evidence is twofold. Number one, 1 Corinthians 15 was written no later than 15 years after the death of Jesus. And so historically speaking, in terms of ancient documents, that is so close to the event, it's scary. And we don't have time to go into all ancient documents and how far after they are written, but 15 years is so close to the event. But number two, what Paul is doing, Paul is actually quoting a Christian creed. This is something the early church said to each other as believers. They said, man, this is what we know. Christ was raised on the third day. He appeared to Cephas, to the 12, and then to more than 500 people. You see, the reason this creed came about was just in case people were like, I don't think Jesus actually raised from the dead. They had this creed that said, no, he actually did raise from the dead. In fact, and the language that Paul uses is really, in a sense, it's confrontational. What he's saying, and this creed actually is saying, if you don't believe it, go and ask them. Because he says most of them are still alive. In other words, they can verify the report. You see, there was one hand that said these people made this up. And another hand of people that said this is true, we have people that have seen it. The story of Christianity explodes while the other one sort of fades. And the reason this idea of the disciples still in the body fades is because there are people still alive that could verify the story. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? And so if the people were not alive, it'd be harder to verify the story. But the fact that people were actually there and they experienced it made it extremely hard to dismantle and dismiss Christianity because people saw it. It's like this. Have you guys ever heard of people that uh, reject the notion that we've been to the moon? You guys have seen this on YouTube? Any of you guys believe this? Christy. <laughs> now, for this, 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 this belief that people have not gone to the moon, generally speaking, other than Christy, um, 
most people are on the train of, yes, we've been to the moon. But there is this, you know, this loud group of people that says, it's all a hoax, we've never been there, they set it up, it was shot in a movie screen. You see, the problem, though, with, and the reason that this idea of people not going to the moon hasn't taken off is because we went to the moon in 1969. And what you need to understand is that the group of people that sent man to the moon was over 400,000 employees at NASA, uh, contractors, um, most of whom, as Paul would say, are still alive. The astronauts, most of whom are still alive. You see, the reason that this theory that they didn't go to the moon has not taken off is because there are too many people to dismiss it and say, guess what? We were actually there. And this is the same reason Christianity exploded, because we actually saw the resurrected Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's not just a myth. We saw him. The grave is empty. He appeared. He appeared. You see, I believe this. If Jesus really raised from the dead, it changes everything. He is who he says he is. Salvation, hope is found in his name. You see, this, this claim that Christianity is exclusive, I am the way, the truth, and the life, for some people it sounds offensive, but it's not offensive. If you understand it, it's beautiful. The beauty is this, there's nothing you have to do to merit salvation, because Jesus has done it. Jesus is the way. He doesn't say you're the way. He doesn't say figure out the way. He says, I am the way. Come on. And if Jesus raised from the dead, that's the doggone truth. He's the way the truth, and the life. Last thing is this, how do we respond? How do we respond? If Christianity is true, how do we respond? You see, for a lot of us, truth puffs us up, right? If I know what's true, I have to dismiss everyone that's not true. And so the fact of the matter is this. I want us to see what the Bible says. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. He says this. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that they accuse you of doing wrong that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. A pagan is someone that does not believe in God. And nowhere does it say get confrontational with them. Nowhere does it say dismiss them, step on their necks. It says live in such a way among them that they actually give glory to your God. They're like, oh my gosh, why does this guy live like this? How can he be so loving? How can he be so kind? Live in such a way. Listen to this. I'm going to get to the idea because if Jesus is truth, people need to know. I'm going to get there in a second. But understand this, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. And so if you love people, if you're for people, if you're for your Muslim neighbor, if you're for your Buddhist neighbor, if you love on them, man, that is so powerful. Peter says, live in such a way that they begin to question. They begin to question, man, like why, why is it like this? Why, is it, why are they so loving? Why are they so kind? Because listen to this, friends. Here's the beauty of Jesus. Jesus loves everyone. I'm going to say it again. God loves everyone. God loves the atheist. God loves the Buddhist. God, God loves the marginal Christian. God loves everyone. Look at this, Romans chapter 10. He says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your belief, the beauty of the resurrected King, the resurrected Jesus is all that we have to do is call on his name, the only name that has the power of the save, the only name that can break chains is Jesus. You just gotta call on his name. 
We love people, we're for people. Here's the question I want us to finish with. How do we respond? Look what he says next. He says, how then though, can those who have not believed call on him? And how can they believe? I'm gonna say it again, I read it wrong. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? In other words, how can they call on this name if they never heard about him? If all they know is Hinduism, if all they know is atheism, how can they call on the name of Jesus? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching it to them? This is the challenge as he leaves you on. Truth does not puff, puff us up, but there is truth. And Jesus is the truth. And so those of us who have experienced salvation, those of us who know the chain-breaking, life-changing power of Jesus, our job is to tell everyone about him. It's like, man, it's not fair. How come some people are born there? They're born into this. Guess what? God sent you. You're the answer to the question. When will they experience Jesus? As soon as we tell them. As soon as we tell them. Let's just stand for a second, church. Jesus is who he says he is, it changes everything. It changes how we respond to people, it changes how we love people. If Jesus really resurrected, if he is the way, if he is the truth, if he is the life, everything changes. And so this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you have never made that decision, you've never made the personal decision to follow Jesus, to say Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life, if you've never made that decision, I wanna give you the chance to do that right now. It's super simple. Our, our call is not to embarrass you. It's not to, 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 to bring you out in front of other people. It's just to give you the chance to respond. If Jesus is who he says he is, if you want to give your life to him, we want to give you the opportunity right now. It's super simple. All we ask you to do is raise your hand. And what you're saying is, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give everything to Jesus. Every person that's made that decision before you is praying right now. We're praying that God works on your heart that you respond to, to the inclining that you're feeling right now in your spirit. If you want to give your life to Jesus, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm a count to three. And one, two, three, just show me your hand. Thank you. Thank you, just keep your hands up. Just show me your hands, thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. If that encouraged, inspired, challenged you, you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. We'd love to see you in person. So plan your visit today. We'll see you soon. Until next time, take care.